This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Good morning, good morning. Uh, you're live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Host the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. So you're here live with me on Pet Life Radio, Instagram Live. If you want to get a hold of me, it's very easy. Just pick up the phone, 877-385-8882. 877-385-8882. Or you can basically uh, get me here on uh, Instagram, just directly at Pet Life Radio. If you are here listening to me, then you're on. So all you have to do is pick up your pets and ask away, and I'll be able to hopefully help you with your questions. So anyway, yes, before my brother-in-law gives me a little help for not dressing in my normal casual way, yes, I did come in from KTLA Live this morning, So, and I just heard about it on Thursday. They said, by the way, you're going to be here Sunday. We're going to talk about this new respiratory bug. Um, They call it a virus. It's not, we don't know what it is. We talked about it before. Another week's gone by, and still we are no better off. We think we know what it isn't. But there's a catch there because they've been testing for normal things that we can test for, the different influenzas and Bordetella and do PCR testing. But then one of the experts, a a bacteriologist, uh, immunologist says that some of these tests, if there is any minor change in DNA, because like if it's a little mutant, then the PCR won't pick it up, which is one of the tests they use. So anyway, that is a a problem in and of itself. Is it a virus? We don't know. Not responding to antibiotics. Uh, still, if it is a bacterium, one that was uh, identified at the the Veterinary Diagnostic Lab at New uh, University of New Hampshire, then maybe it's not a bacterium or it's something new and they can't grow it. They don't know enough about it yet. They don't know how it grows, what it attaches to. So we're still lost. There have been cases, I have a number of cases of chronic persistent coughing. Uh, in fact, I just uh, was talking to a friend last night that we they it was diagnosed that they kind of live in three different places. So they were the original place took x-rays and there was some pulmonary damage. It was like a mild pneumonia. Sent me the x-rays. I took x-rays on Friday and there was much improvement and the dog was doing better. Active eating, everything was better. I think great, you know, it's but whatever it is, it's finally passing. By the way, she's had this cough for three weeks. He has this cough for three weeks. So then last night they tell me that he's coughing again and he um didn't eat well. So and so anyway that's kind of what's going on. And uh, so again, the recommendations are simple. Number one, make sure that you are up to date on vaccines. The recommendations are we want to minimize what we call comorbidity. That means we don't want to have other diseases that also could be respiratory. So in that case, we want to do is we want to make sure that they're Pets are up to date on Bordetella, even the influenza. Now, I've been, you know, I was never really recommending the influenza big time unless dogs really are in situations where there is major exposure. Now, with this new bug and the idea of what we call comorbidity, that you already have, say, normal Bordetella, which you could pick up at any of these places, or now influenza, it might make this new bug worse. And they feel that some of the bad cases, you know, everyone's afraid, oh my God, is my dog going to die? Is my dog going to die? It's rare. There have been very few deaths from this. And of course, even when that happened, was it really that this new thing? Or did this dog have another kind of really bad pneumonia or respiratory infection? That's the part we don't know, because if they culture something, we're not getting an answer. So we might be able to say, no, we know it's probably not your normal kennel cough bordetella. We know it's probably not your normal influenza, but maybe it's an aberration. Maybe it's a mutant of those, and or maybe this new bug. So Recommendations stay the same. Stay on top of 
your regular vaccines. Make sure if your dog starts coughing and has certainly not been in one of these places, see your veterinarian. You should see your veterinarian anyway, because you don't want to not treat the more normal things like influenza, which is really, you can't treat. It's a virus or kennel cough, which you can treat because it's a bacterium and um, keep them away from those multi dog environments. That means those pack walks. That means daycare. That means dog parks. That means grooming. That means boarding. If you have a groomer that comes to the house, that's fine. But if you want to do it yourself, that's fine. Yeah. Hey, I got some great, great shampoos for you. So, uh, you know, Dr. Jeff performance line, we have some really good shampoos. So if you want to get one of those, that's exactly kind of what we want you to have you do now. So as we will see more, as we um, learn more about it, but whatever you do, don't panic. But again, your dog's coughing, starts coughing, see your veterinarian. I mean, that's a no-brainer anyway. Even without this, I'd recommend that. So, all right, I'll tell you what, 9.15, we're going to go on a, uh, a little break. Anyway, first of all, if there are any questions, um, if there's a quick, uh, give me a quick break. Mark, let's take a quick break now for commercials. Let me figure out what's going on here. All right, and I'll be uh, back in a few minutes. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> All right. So we are back. And during the break, I think I fixed my, my sound issue with Instagram. And a good question came in about kidney values and what is too high? What It says, what number we want to see? Well, we want to see, obviously, normal. But... How out of normal do we, before we start to worry? So the most significant kidney enzyme is something called creatinine. And creatinine is the one that's very sensitive for, for kidney. And the high normal depends on the lab, ranges anywhere from 1.9. I've seen 2.1 is normal. Cats going to 2.4 is normal. But you start getting above that, and that is an indicator that we are having a problem. Okay? You get to three and a half, four, a five. I've seen as high as seven. Now we're, we're talking about really with CKD, chronic kidney disease. BUN is another one that we look at, but you know, one with BUN, blood, urea, nitrogen, is that that is affected by many other factors, such as protein in the diet, dehydration status. So you can see that number elevate. And if you see a high BUN, moderately high, all right? You know, high normal is maybe 31. If it gets to 35 to 40, then something to take note of. But when you find out that the red cell parameters are high or the dog is dehydrated, not eating or, or ate a high protein meal, then you might see an elevation there, especially when creatinine is totally normal. The next one is phosphorus. Also, that usually elevates as the kidneys start to fail. So of course, the big three, if you have elevated of BUN, creat, and phosphorus, you got a problem. And it needs to be addressed, needs to be treated, needs to be at least evaluated. There's another one that a lot of labs have, new have. It's called the SDMA. SDMA is a predictive index of kidney disease. 
think the, the basic, you want to be below 14, below or equal to 14. You start getting up to 15, 16, 17, eh, something to take note of. If you hit really high numbers, 20s, 30s, then uh, that is also a likelihood that the animal will probably be developing some kidney failure or kidney disease. Sometimes you get a puzzle effect where we get a totally normal everything, BUN, creat, phosphorus, and a high SDMA. And the dog's only six. I mean, we take it with a grain of salt. I don't make my, di my ultimate diagnosis on that. However, if we have moderately elevated kidney values and then the SDMA is high, then I could tell someone that, yes, th this is what we need to do. All right. Then we need to be a little bit more aggressive with preventive care as much as we can. What does that mean? That means a special kidney diet, a renal diet. A lot of companies have them. Hills has one called obviously KD Kidney Diet. Purina Specialty Foods has one called NF. Then there is a Rural Canaan has a renal diet. So there are many, many foods out there. If you want to talk to your veterinarian, uh, talk to a veteran nutritionist. You know, a lot of the veterinary schools now have their department, their nutrition department, have access to public where the pet parents can, I think it's usually text or email, can actually send them and have a, a conversation with the specialist about what the problem is. And is there a home-cooked diet that you could put together to help your pet if you don't want to feed those commercial diets? So now when it says a half a pill a day for it, I need to know what the medication is because usually there's really no really good pill except for a Pacotin, which is a you know, it comes as a powder or an ammonium hydroxide pill, which can decrease the phosphorus. It's a phosphate binder. But let me know what the pill is that uh, that she's being given. All right. Viewed on KTLA this morning since unspecified illness in Canada. Does anyone know how long the incubation period is? So again, it's a great question. Now, if you look at the regular respiratory diseases, then it could be anywhere from three days to, to five days. So, you know, again, if a dog is coughing, you should see your vet. If you have an opportunity to not have your dog in these environments where they're playing with a lot of other dogs, then I would exercise that. I joke that my dogs do go on pack walks and they're fine. That's because all five of the dogs on the pack walk are mine and they live together, they sleep together and they don't go without any other dogs. So I'm less worried. Now, do I keep them current on the vaccines? Absolutely. So you at least do what you can do because if you already have a dog that is somewhat immunocompromised, because of another disease, especially a respiratory disease, then the lungs are going to be at a greater risk. And as the immune system also is going to be having more difficulty fighting something off. So it's even more important now, given the fact that we don't have a treatment for it, because we have no, um, we have no way to identify exactly what it is, let alone to treat it. So that's why we are, are very, very careful. Took mesh off and the stitches out, but tons of bandage to hold ear down and has all along had cone on day and night. Hematoma came back to take advantage off. I'm at a loss. Well, interesting. Uh, how long were the stitches in? Usually when I do a hematoma surgery, if it is a surgery that I do, where I make a slice down the center of the uh, hematoma on the pinna, when I sew it, the pinna, this piece together, I actually leave a little gap because I want that to scar down. And I leave the stitches in minimum three weeks. So uh, there's no downside to leaving them in longer. Because again, remember, when we're fixing a hematoma, this huge blood blister, we have no idea exactly what vessel or usually vessels are feeding this. So the only way to stop it is to hold the ear down, in a sense, mesh or glue the front part of the ear of the pinna and the, the inside and the outside together. So even though the bleeders aren't stopped per se, there's no place for the blood to go and ultimately it will clot. And then once it clots, the longer we keep those stitches in, 
every hole that the stitch goes in and out and you tie the knot, those, even when you take the stitches out, that should cause little micro scabs, scars, holding the ear flap closed. So if we take the stitches out too soon, take two weeks, which is normal, is when we have a problem. So I leave them in much longer. Let me know if that fits. If not, get a hold of me and um, we'll figure something out. Uh, renal K gel in our food every day. Well, that's good, but that, that renal K is really, K is, is the phosphorus. So it's going to help the phosphate binding. So that's good. And I would certainly do that regardless. Update on the respiratory virus. Uh, you know, again, I don't know if you heard it, that we still don't know much about it. We do know that it's something that we want to try to avoid, keep our pets current on all their other, especially respiratory vaccines, that's influenza and bordetella, avoid, you know, multiple pet, multiple dog environment situations. And um, if there is, is a cough, at least take it in, have treated. You can uh, obviously treat the cough. If it's dry and hacking, non-productive, there's one medication that's productive, there's another. And ultimately, I would say maybe not the first visit, but if it's something that's persisting or getting moist, x-rays should be taken of the chest and see if we have a pneumonia. As far as medication, you know, that's controversial. You know, I would, I would at least treat with antibiotics because if it's a Bordetella or even a Bordetella is partly involved, let's take care of that. That, that we can fix. If it's more of an influenza or this new bug, whatever it is, it's either a bacteria that we don't know what antibiotic works, if any, or it's a virus, which no antibiotic works. So at least, as they say, a CYA move is, is I would at least treat with a, a good antibiotic that's usually good for the Bordetella, Clavamox, uh, you know, which is Clavacillin, or a um, doxycycline, one of those. And for dealing with deeper respiratory infection, where it's in the lungs, again, talk to your veterinarian. I still, I like any of those two, or also I might add some Batril. Uh, Batril has really good deep penetration into lung tissue. Can I take my dog to Roxbury Park? I would say, you know, to be careful, you know, if your dog is fully vaccinated and you take them, but there's not a lot of dogs where you go, then yeah, it's a walk in the park, it's a walk in the neighborhood. But if there are going to be a lot of other dogs and he's going to go off leash and mingle and play with the other dogs, then I'd be a lot more careful, just so you know. And let's see, Amanda, how's the new pup going? It's possible. Now, if it's something that got better, pretty quickly, normal, you know, course of action that maybe it wasn't that in the first place. It's hard to tell, but I would be, uh, I'd be careful as far as how prevalent in Southern California, you know, we have had cases, you know, in hindsight, I have had cases. I think a couple going right now, one I'm going to see again tomorrow. It was getting better. Another doctor, because they also live out of state, took the first set of, set of x-rays. There was pneumonia, definitely pneumonia, right-sided, caught a lung lobe. I took x-rays Friday, much improved. Still there, but much improved compared to the other x-rays. Then talking to them last night, the dog is coughing worse again and will eat, but not as aggressively. So again, now I'm worried. To make hearing aids for dogs. Great question. And the answer is they've tried. In fact, when I was at Davis, this is talking about how long ago, wants to operate again. I probably would, Michelle, and I, I would definitely leave those stitches in even a month. And also call me and, and let me know what technique he used. I'd like to give me a picture of the ear. That would be great. All right. Anyway, there is no specific vaccine for the prevention of this particular bug. And the reason for that is we don't even know what it is. So they've not been able to culture anything. They haven't been able to catch anything. One bacteria, but they couldn't grow it. So it's a problem. Mesh and stitches, six days. Oh, no wonder. Okay. Now, they make hearing aids for dogs. By the way, if they were in six days and the stitches were in and still coming back with with the uh, stitches, then it didn't go through and through. You got to get the, the stitch has to go all the way through, go back around and all the way back again, or else it's, it, they're inactive. So that's important. 
as far as hearing aids, Steve. So anyway, Dr. Terry Holiday, he was the neurologist at Davis when I was there. His thing was ears and hearing and all that stuff. And uh, I said, he got his PhD in that. He's a DVM PhD. And um, he was testing some sort of ear device. The problem is that you can't put something in the ear like ours, where you put it down in there. And the reason for that is it will plug up the ear canal and it would cause many infections. And it would have to be, you know, anesthetized to put in, anesthetized to take out the batteries, et cetera. Then they were testing something that would go from the outside, like a long, long pole that goes into the ear, all right, with the hearing aid, almost like we have, but adjusted the ear and it can be very, very thin. Then the problem is how to keep the dogs from scratching it out. You know, I mean, you've seen them when they get a little something in the ear, they're miserable and they're scratching and they're, and they're pawing and they're shaking their head, putting something in there permanently or at least semi-permanently, they just don't tolerate it. So the next step would be implanting something like they have done for humans. I don't think we're there yet. I have not heard of it. I haven't seen, and at the trade shows, I'll be going in middle of January, I'm going back to Orlando for the big VMX. And in fact, I'll be doing my show live from VMX as I've done for several years in the past. I can tell Mark is so happy about that because it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> oh, God. It took us longer to set it up than it did for me to do the show. So anyway, I think we've hopefully got it down. So you'll be, uh, but we'll, you'll, we'll let you know. So anyway, it's a good, good question. We do have hearing loss as dogs get older. Uh, there's a lot of hearing loss. We always say it's either you know, um, selective hearing, meaning they know that it's you talking. I said, ah, enough of that guy. I'm not listening to him anymore. But uh, no, there are known issues of dogs that lose their hearing, and it's it, and, and you know it's a good thing for them to have. So so right, no boarding or groomers till the rest of well, I would say minimal. I mean, look to be really careful. If unless it's a must, then don't do it. Now, as far as grooming, uh, you know, if you have those grooming trucks, they take one dog at a time, or at least only your dogs at the same time, which is what we do. We have a groomer, the mobile groomer, but he only does our dogs at once. There's very little research done, but most feel that it's not a fomite thing. So as long as they spray with a you know a bactericidal, virucidal product in between, clean up the surfaces, then it's not like it could be on the table and then they, you bring your dog in and the dog licks that table. It's got to mostly be inhaled dog to dog is the current theory. It has not been determined if for real, if fomites, which is where they can be on an object, an inanimate object, and then the second dog comes by and licks or inhales something from that inanimate object. Are they going to get it from them? Less likely, less likely. But if you want to be really careful, make sure that they clean well between dogs, and then you could do a, a mobile clinic, mobile groomer. So dogs with MDR1. So these are, it's a genetic condition where some dogs have poor response to many of the drugs that we use. So I don't know if there's any one. Well, first of all, right now, if it's if we know it's not Bordetella and it's not, well, for influenza, you can't do anything anyway. So the only drug that we can really use is that for Bordetella. Doxycycline, Clavamox are, are the two big favorites. And I know a lot, you can use Batril and Rofloxacin. If they are resistant to those, then it's a toss-up. You can maybe try culturing, getting a sputum culture, see if you can culture it, and then have them test like 30 different antibiotics. That would be a little impractical. I would, you know, just do one, do a cocktail if you want to do. A lot of times we'll do doxy with Batril or Clav with Batril for really tough cases. That might be a recommendation here too, just to try it out. A vision test for nearsightedness in dogs. You know, it's interesting. No one's really spent a whole lot of time on vision in dogs. And the reason for that is that of all their senses, their vision is probably the worst. They don't really see 
um, clarity, super clear. They can see, they're very good at, at shapes, outlines. They can recognize faces. We know that. Colors, they have their own color. It's much more duller than ours. Pet TV actually has something where they have programming that you can switch to. You can see what you see, and then they switch it. You can have, choose to look and see what the dogs see, the different colors. And it's, it's very interesting. And there's some colors that look very similar, and there's some colors that they don't pick up at all. Now, I pretty much, I think it's more cones, rods, maybe I think it's more rods. Basically, in the cells that, and the, the nerves that are picking up our vision and our vision acuity and vision movement. Dogs, if, for example, I always say this is an example. If they're looking at a pinstripe suit, all right, so maybe it's navy or black with very, very faint off-white kind of lines going down, they won't pick up the distinction. They won't see the lines per se. All they'll see is that, that over color, whether it's that they're black or they're blue. But if one of those lines should move, that they'll pick up. So but that's made them really good for hunting. They can see movement. They can see subtle movement better than we can, but they don't see the same acuity. So convince do, no, it's not illegal. Not illegal at all. Convets do vaccines in a car. Of course, like during COVID, they were doing it all the time. In fact, if it's on the property, all right, and there's no problem, if the dog is current with a VCPR, a veterinary client-patient relationship, the dog's seen, let's say, six months ago in your clinic, and now you're worried the vaccines are due, they can pull in the park, and a technician, except for rabies, can come out and vaccinate. So it's not true. Unless, I don't know which state, but it's unless it's a, a state thing that's got to be endorsed. I've never heard that. And you're right. Mobile clinics, mobile vets, they're vets that do house calls all the time and they give vaccines. And, and if they ride with a technician, the technician can give the vaccine. So that's, that. I, I doubt that. Whoever said that is, I, I don't know, I'm just trying to link it to what is better for them, but it, uh, it doesn't make sense to me. What can you do about getting dogs' nails and anal glands done if you cannot go to the groomers? Are best doing this service in your car? That, I don't know about anals. I, I wouldn't want to do anals in my car. Let's put it that way. It's not pretty. It doesn't smell good at all. And sometimes it's hard to contain that anal secretion just in your gloved hand with the, with the gauze or whatever you're using. So I would not recommend that. Toenails, you're going to get the toenail piece all over the place, but it doesn't have to be in the car. If your dog is on a leash or a harness, and you can control your dog, all right? Then the technician can do that outside in the parking lot. But I would, I would highly recommend not doing it in the car. You will be smelling it for weeks to come. Uh, no, not pretty, not pretty at all. In California, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, definitely can vaccinate. I mean, really anywhere. That uh, the only one that is pretty much required for the veterinarian to do is the rabies. The other vaccines can be done by technicians. I work with rescues all the time. I'm their veterinarian, and uh, they can give vaccines as long as I at one, at one point I have seen the dog. And starting January, by the way, I'll be able to establish a VCPR remotely, which is even better. So if you're a rescue, we do a, a video chat with your pet, and I see the pet, I ask you a bunch of questions, and I can determine that that pet is healthy enough to have a vaccine, and I might ask you what the temperature is. I can't listen to the lungs, obviously, but if you're a licensed tech, you should be able to listen to the lungs. You should be able to hear a heart murmur. So a veterinarian remotely can work with licensed technicians and registered nurses, whatever you want to call yourselves. I actually prefer nurse better than technician because the dog is not a computer. It's not a TV set. So when I hear about a technician, I kind of hear something you know, too mechanical. But yes, that would be, that'd be fine.
Malibu vet is wrong. All right. Uh, so we have come to your office. How do we keep the dog safe for the vet? Well, what we try to do first of all is identify. If we have a dog we know is coughing, we can have them come in the back door and they go straight, just kind of like COVID was for people. Come in the office, go straight to an exam room, have the nurse come in or the receptionist take care of whatever billing, and then you go out the, uh, out the door. So we used to have a coming in one door, going out the other. But with this, where it's the dogs, we would have them go straight to an exam room. I have it no problems. As I said, I think it's a bit overrated as long as the dogs aren't like literally nose to nose playing with each other, ar, 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 coughing each other and all that. Just sitting in a, in a big room, I have not had an issue. But if you want to be really careful, just let us know. That's what you want to do. All right. I think I'm looking for questions. I think I got everybody. So questions. If you have any more questions, you can reach me very easily. Pet Life Radio, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. For here at Instagram, just reach me on Instagram. You probably have my cell phone anyway. So just get a hold of me. And uh, again, don't panic about this, but just be uh, proactive. Proactive is the key for everybody here. And um, I will possibly be here next week. I'm going to be in Atlanta, and it all depends on which is Eastern time zone. So my show will still be here at nine, but for you in the East, it'll be at noon. And I, I don't know what, I forgot what time my flight is how much time I need before I leave for the airport. So I may not be able to do show next week's show. And I'm sure Mark has a number of them he can just throw on. We'll do a rerun. But I, I just say, I still may be able to do it. I, hopefully I can. Uh, the other option is go to the airport very early and do it from the airport. But I could do that too. We'll see. All right. Great talking to you. Uh, stay safe out there. Enjoy your uh, Sunday. And uh, as again, if you have any questions about this or anything else, reach me directly through all the different ways you know how. And looking forward to maybe seeing you next week. But if not, it'll be the week after that. And um, so either way, we will see you soon. The week after that is going to be the 24th, I think. So um, that's um, Christmas Eve. So I'll be, that's a Sunday morning. I'll be doing the show. So uh, if you want to join me then, we'd love to have you. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Maybe even great two weeks if I don't uh, see you next week. And um, if you have really burning questions, though, just send them to me personally, and I'll make sure to answer them. All right. Be well. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.